The meeting of two minds on the Badger Shelf. We'll set the world to rights and try to find more Badger puns. Welcome to the Badger Shelf. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Badger Shelf. Hello! This week we're going to talk about twists. And the twist is, we're actually going to talk about twists. <laughs> we uh, we twisted so much last week that we ended up just talking about one big twist and its encompassing universe. So we will actually talk about twists this time. I mean, our main mistake was launching with Star Wars, you know, because there's something that nerds can just talk about for two minutes and then move on. <laughs> and we promised... We would not talk about Star Wars. That's the only mention of Star Wars you'll have this episode. Until we talk about Star Wars again. <laughs> Until we talk about Star Wars again. <laughs> but yes, no, we we, will, we promise to do our best. We will try and be good. Ah, do or do not. There is no try. God damn it. <laughs> it's impossible. It is impossible. Well, you know what? Let's distract ourselves with a classic. We'll dive straight in and we'll talk about... The Sixth Sense. One of the big daddies of twists. Which reminds me of another twist. <laughs> the original big daddy twist. No, but this one, The Sixth Sense, was such an iconic twist that I knew about it years before I even saw the film. Oh god, yes. I think majority of people our age knew of the twist long before they got would have got around to seeing the film. Absolutely. Like, I remember seeing it when I was about seven and already being fully aware of the twist. <laughs> it had so permeated pop culture that there was no escaping it. Everyone knew. Like, yeah, like the phrase, oh, Bruce Willis is a ghost. <laughs> oh, you probably also should have said, spoiler alert. Ah, <laughs> we'll edit this in. Edit this into the start of the... <laughs> spoiler alert. It's not even a spoiler. Literally every breathing creature on this earth knows that Bruce Willis was a ghost. Exactly. That is how omnipresent that twist is. I know. They might as well put it in the opening credits at this point. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's, it's quite a good film because you watch it and you find that out and you go back and you see all these little bits and pieces and oh yeah, that's quite clever the way they did that. But I don't think in the last couple of decades, anyone has actually watched that film without knowing that in advance. Yes. This this brings us into one of the trickiest parts of a film with a twist, in that that's almost the entire appeal of the film. And once you know the twist, it's not quite as enjoyable, sometimes. When an entire film is structured around the build-up and the unexpected payoff... But then the, the joy comes from watching it with someone who doesn't know the twist. Ah! Yes, and witnessing their reaction for the first time. Except when they guess it really quickly. Bloody twist guessers. The worst. That's all the fun, Roy. (laughs) I'm the boss. I'm your boss. (laughs) He's a ghost. They're all dead. That's his cousin. (laughs) That's my favourite twist episode. Um... (laughs) That was much better than our twist episode. Does it even mention Star Wars? You should immediately pause this and go and watch 
Moss and the German, I believe is the title of that episode, because I'm a nerd and I've watched IT Crowd too much. There is no such thing as too much. <laughs> I'm stagnating, Roy! Well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And I'm the gander! <laughs> I mean, it's very good. It's very, very good. Wouldn't we all sit and put up with potentially being eaten by a German in order to watch a film spoiler-free? It is the dream. I feel like we've all done that. We've all been part of that that mindset at one point, I'm sure. <laughs> and he did have quite a lovely setup. A huge telly. A bloody, bloody huge telly. But yes. <laughs> Back to, the, back to the actual topic of twists, rather. Let's not just spin off into IT crowd. That's the next twist. It's an IT crowd episode. <laughs> oh. No. Outrageous. Richmond's an overrated character. He... You're not going to drag me down, boy. <laughs> I, said, I, thought, I thought I was going to rage you to no end. Oh, I've, I've lost my milky lens. Oh, oh dear. Oh, wasn't even playing a character. He just turned up. That was just no fielding. On a day off. That was his comfy casuals. Now he supervises supervises baking contests. <laughs> it's quite a career trajectory, you know, to go from basement-dwelling goth to tent... Goth to boss. <laughs> he did goth to boss. That is what he did. Tent-traversing cake air specialist. Well, as much as we could discuss the twists and turns of Noel Fielding's career... <laughs> Let's talk about an Iron film. Yes, because The Sixth Sense is old. It's classic. Everyone knows that. It is a good film, and it is quite scary at points. But I'm a big wuss. And ghosts... Well, yes. They get me. A little wuss. But I, I think since then... So as we discussed in the previous eventful episode, the Empire Strikes Back twist was probably one of the first big um, pop culture encompassing twists but the sixth sense was probably the next biggest like when that came out the uh, the impression it had upon people was incredible and i think since then films have somewhat strived to be twisty for the sake of it there are definitely a lot of films that just throw in a twist to try and seem edgy yes i, I would definitely agree with that they just sort of throw the audience for a loop right at the end with, ha but did you know that this was actually this all along? <laughs> it you know, does. There's no sort of build-up to it. There's been no, like, details that would have alluded to that up until that point. They just decided to be a dick. <laughs> so many modern films with <laughs> air quote twists aren't twists. They're just things that happen. Like every single Oceans film. Oh my goodness. What's actually happening was this. This was the real heist all along. It's gone to the point, though, where you watch a film and they they, they lay out their plan and you sit there going, well, obviously nothing that's going to happen because we know about it. Mm. You know, it's like, it's just stop including the planning in the film because, well, there's the two sides of it. One, we know it's not going to happen because that would be really boring to watch twice. In fact, sorry, I just accidentally merged both my points into one thing. We know it's not going to happen because it never happens the way it goes. And two, it would be boring to watch twice. <laughs> that was some efficient point merging. We need more of that <laughs> on this podcast. I have five points and here they all are. 
Dave's at that. Wrap it up, Roy. And we're back at the IT crowd. No, we didn't drag ourselves away from the IT crowd. <laughs> um, I've been derailed again. I, I, I think people are here for the ramble. I think people are here for the uh, incoherent babble. That's all we have. Let us know. Interact. Strange internet strangers. Don't call them strange. Mm. Although, the argument I've just made about The Sixth Sense being an influential twisty film sort of falls apart because another big one on our list here, The Usual Suspects, was before that, I'm pretty sure, and that is a big daddy of a twist. It certainly is. And what's quite interesting, I was watching a little analysis of it before this uh, podcast to try and do some research. I'm a learned man, a wizened gent, and it, there's so there's so much studying into that film. Um, and it's a very good film, but the amount of nerds that have picked it apart, and um, there's debate as to whether it is a twist, because it's like a twist within a twist. Um, because it's not actually foreshadowed, it's like it's like a faux twist, and then the real twist is something else. And it, I, I got very lost. I was like, "What is happening here?" But the the Kaiser Soze thing is a classic. Oh, it is. It is. Of course, the the, the whole twist ending was parodied beautifully at the end of uh, Scary Movie. Oh my God! Everyone has done a parody of the end of The Usual Suspects. It's brilliant. <laughs> of course, I'd, I'd seen that long before ever seeing The Usual Suspects. Ah, that is the mark of a good parody film, though, where it is still interesting, even though you haven't seen what it's parodying. Oh, they, were, they were fantastic films, weren't they? they were scary movies. It's entertaining in its own right. It's good how they recovered after the second one. Well, hell, they began to go a little askew after a while again. And then they took in Leslie Nielsen to be the president. Yes, that was fantastic. Absolutely superb. <laughs> Punching aliens in the face. <laughs> As is done by presidents. It is the done thing. You can't have aliens coming down here with a president that won't <laughs> punch him in the face. Coming down here from outer space. Coming down here, these illegal aliens coming round our bits. What in all that? Ah, punch him in the face, mate. Right in the face. It's getting too real, Ed. It's getting too real. <laughs> Ooh, Put so... away your EDF flag. <laughs> that is a nice bit it's of... EDL. What's, what ED... are they called? EDL. Oh, yes. Oh, dear. I'm sure there's an F one as well. Something. Nice bit of uh, current event satire there for you. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? See, we're cultured people. We watch the news. Well, we watch the headlines. <laughs> and then, like, realise they're not talking about the films we like, so we walk away. Yeah, we quickly depart and watch some films. It's a done thing. Mm. The um, I think the reason The Usual Suspects was so enthralling and um, and the, the kind of reveal at the end was so shocking is because Kevin Spacey, the questionable swine... Um, uh, is an incredible actor and he brought us on this journey throughout the film telling us this story making us sympathise with the character and sympathise with all these people that turns out he just made up on the spot and when it all suddenly falls apart and that shot of the mug shattering on the floor and all the different things coming together you're, you, you are shocked you are physically 
horrified that you've been led on a merry dance down the garden path. And the, oh my God, when the camera's following his legs and he's like limping, limping, and then he suddenly starts walking normally and it pans up to him getting in the car and you're like, oh my God! Yes. <laughs> Excellent bit of cinema. Absolutely fantastic. If you haven't seen The Usual Suspects, I'd recommend going just to, in fact, it, most of the films we're going to talk about tonight, I would just recommend watching. Oh, yeah. Waste our time with bad films. No. Well, we did that, didn't we? We, we, we? we talked about bad endings of things, but we tend to talk about the positive thus far. We tend to look at the more entertaining things. As you say, we don't want to waste anyone's time with some rubbish. We want to talk about the quality stuff. Exactly. And that's a badger shelf guarantee. The badger shelf guarantee. <laughs> if it's not on our shelf, it shouldn't be on yours. However, a film I did think was crap was The Village. Ooh, we've already broken our own rule. I know. <laughs> Rules are like knees. They're made to be broken. Ah, cap those mothers. So The Village had quite a quite a good twist. It, uh, it had a twist. Um, it set up, obviously, this supernatural, oh, there's this village in this fantasy world where... If they leave the, the border, they'll be killed by these giant creatures. Ah, spooky. It was pretty spooky. I was spooked. You were very spooked. I was like, oh no! But the twist being that these spooky creatures were just the village elders in costumes. And it was actually felt like set in modern day America. And they were just being held captive by some weird cult. Yeah. Who wanted them to live like pe like medieval peasants for some reason. It was something like, um, so it was in the middle of that nature reserve and the the guy that was in charge of the village, it was his family that owned it. And so he just like took everyone and they decided, well, modern life is bad. Let's go and live like our ancestors did. And they just sort of started living like weird New England. Um, That's sort of like Amish. Yeah. Like the, um, like the settlers. The settlers, that's what I'm trying to think. Like on like in New England, like in um like the witch trials and all that madness. Yeah, I mean I don't understand. This is something I've never understood about the Amish. And I think we can we can safely bad talk the Amish on this because they're highly unlikely to listen to our web based podcast. <laughs> Someone would have to write it out for them. <laughs> Quickly, the new engraving of the badger shelf is here. <laughs> Gather round children, I shall read it aloud. Oh my god. It's a bold new audience. Can tell you can tell when it's Eddie speaking because the the carvings are so much deeper and more aggressive. <laughs> but anyway, I, I never understood why they decided that was the ideal time to you know like oh anything newer than this exact year is clearly evil. I was like, well, why don't you go back to biblical times and live like Jesus did? Why was the centuries of development from between them and when you stopped? Why are they fine, but everything since then is evil? <laughs> just never understood that it was very odd because you then realize that it was a stylistic choice on the on the on the hand of the director and it totally takes you out of any sort of immersion yes um you watch it again you go ah okay wow it, it was just it was just weird and again it's it's one of these films that Knowing the twist means you can't really enjoy it a second time. Again, though, very well parodied in the scary movie. Which one parodied that again? Mm, like three or four, I think. I think it was the same one that did The Ring. Oh, I can't remember. It's been so long since I've watched any of them. Um, but 
a lot of these crap horror films are worth existing only for the incredible um, scary movie version of them. Oh God, yes, The Ring. However, great horror movie. Oh, I haven't haven't partook because I think oh. I would die. I was I was rather young when I first watched The Ring. Oh no! And, um, so we we were watching through it. I mean, yeah, you know, we knew what was going on. That people watch this tape and then seven days later they die. And it got to the bit where the main character was watching the tape for the first time, you know, and then triggering her own seven day countdown in which she has to try and figure everything out or die. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it got to the end, my dad used his mobile to ring the house phone. <laughs> and I had a heart attack. I was <laughs> terrified. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, that was oh, uh, terrified. Excellent prank. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. And the twist was, of course, I survived after seven days. It is quite an impressive record. And then the, the big twist of the film. Are, are you ever likely to see it? I highly doubt it. <laughs> the, the way to survive is to copy the tape. Oh. Because it's all about this. This ghost was actually tortured and killed and she just wants everyone to know the pain she went through so if you copy the tape pass on her story she lets you live of course yes so in the end it's all about advocating for video piracy <laughs> buy a vhs copier machine that's who was funding it it was an anti-betamax uh propaganda did you not copy betamax uh, I don't know, but they were big and nobody liked them. They sort of, they sort of predated me. There, there was a similar film I saw where it was like ghosts, but they were in the internet. They were in text. And I'm like, it wasn't really as impactful as the whole grainy VHS recording ghost on tape kind of idea. When it went digital, it kind of lost a lot of its um, menace. Oh my goodness. So I did a quick Google there, and um, Betamax, obviously released in the 70s, 1975. Do you know when it was discontinued? It was quite recent. It was March 2016. Yes! Because I remember reading an article. Who was still buying Betamaxes? (laughs) People were clinging on. Oh, Sony. They supported the Betamax for over 40 years. Wow. But they couldn't keep the Vita running for 10. Ah! <sighs> Sony. We know what the superior technology was. Ugh. <laughs> right, let's, let's move on to another twist before I get too angry. <laughs> um, you, uh, shall we move, keeping in the kind of horror, suspense thriller region, uh, Shutter Island is quite a controversial twist. It's one I like and I hate at the same time. Mm. So I like it enough that I'd watch it again. I think that is definitely one that requires a few rewatches to sort of take in everything that's going on. It's quite dense. Mm. For those who haven't seen it, Shutter Island is a man going to this island, which houses a mental institution to investigate the disappearances, isn't it? Yeah, a patient goes missing. Exactly. So the initial twist, we think, is it turns out that he's actually there hunting for a murderer who he thinks is behind such and such a murder. And of course, there's all the 
massive storm on the island and everything's spooky and creepy. And it does sort of fit the narrative of, oh, something sinister is happening at this hostel. Mm-hmm. And everyone, all the staff are quite um, on edge with him all the time. And the patients are a bit confused when he's asking them questions. Which just makes it, the whole thing makes it seem like, yeah, there is something really sinister going on here. Yeah. And hopefully he'll find out what's going on. But the big twist is he's actually a patient. <laughs> and I think it was his own disappearance he was investigating at one point, which is very strange. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a sort of a radical therapy to, he, he was... He had a a mental dissociation with himself, so he'd created this character, and his therapist decided, well, you know what, let's just steer into it. We'll let him be his character, do this investigation, and come to terms with what happened, and something horrible had happened in his past. And at the end, it's, it's left a wee bit up in the air. You don't know if he has, if he is cured, for lack of a better term. It makes it seem like he has figured out what he did. And he no longer thinks he is this other person. He has regained his sanity, for lack of a better word. But he has decided to go for a lobotomy anyway, because he can't live with what he did. Yes. He does leave it a bit up in the air. And I don't like when they leave things up in the air. (laughs) I like a nice definitive ending. But yes, good film. Would recommend it. It is good. It's very stylistic. Um, It's a very exciting detective thriller. It is spooky. And yes, I think that like the last scene where it's like the sun's out and they're clearing up all the storm damage and everything's actually running like a normal mental hospital. Yeah. You know, and it just it was just the scenario that we were presented with that made everything seem really spooky. <laughs> and everyone treating him with a bit of like suspicion or keep an eye on him was because they all know he's a patient there. Yeah. And they kinda need to keep an eye on him. <laughs> like they actually did quite well playing along all things considered it was pretty good but yes no shutter island good twist very entertaining film and yes again it is one i would watch again oh yeah and it's um leonardo dicaprio mark ruffalo is it ben kingsley is he the doctor it's someone like that i have to quickly google that so as a, as a quick reminder to all the listeners um we, we do not do any research before these episodes. We remember a lot of things very badly on the spot. <laughs> Please do not take anything we say as fact. It's all on the fly, back of the mind, uh, recollections. Our team of interns has not turned up yet due to social distancing. That It would be very handy to have a team of interns working here f- feeding us information. <laughs> I, would, I would ruin the magic of the show. So apologies that we're not super slick. Like those other podcast people who are doing our best. Those podcasters. Those professionals, air quotations. What sort of monster does a podcast in 2020? It's horrendous. Typical nonsense. But anyway, on a brighter note, shall shall we go to, to one of the films you want to talk about in a much lighter vein than all these edgy horror and thrillers? <laughs> yes, um... I can only assume you're referring to the fact that I've written Frozen down. Yes. <laughs> um, well, let me... I can't remember the character name, so I'm also doing my research. But as we all know, Frozen is that delightful... Ah, I've got him, I've got the man. Frozen is that delightful Disney film that came out... God, like, 2014, I believe it was. 
Oh, God, it's been that long. It's stranglehold upon popular culture amongst the youth has not let go. I've got uh, friends with babies who still are obsessed with Elsa and Let It Go and watching Frozen every day. It is a powerful film. It took over the minds and souls of our children. Um, But it is also a very good film, so I don't mind too much. (laughs) But in my research, I realised I came across an article where Frozen actually has a twist. Um, and it's one of, the, one of the, you know, Disney films sometimes do have a little funny business going on. But this one was incredible because it's a story of uh, uh, Queen Elsa with the freezy, freezy powers. She's basically, you know, one of the X-Men. Um, but it's her little sister. Frozone. Frozone, yes. Iceman. Um, and it's her little sister, Anna, is like... Um, left in charge to kind of do the socializing and she meets the dashing prince i've forgotten his name you know i just googled it hans the dashing hans comes to visit and they fall in love because he seems like the most perfect prince charming and they go through the film and he's helping her and elsa runs away and there's all sorts of stuff that goes down and anna thinks that hans is wanting to help her to find elsa and bring her home but it turns out Dun, dun, dun. Hans is a bad guy, and he tries to kill Elsa and take the throne, and it all goes tits up. <laughs> I I actually have to admit I loved that twist. It was incredible. Oh my god! Because he's been such a nicey nice guy, and then Bwah, I'm a bad guy. Oh my god! I, I, I have to admit, as I'm older now and I'm cynical. I did like that the ma- the first man she's ever met who's nice to her and suggests they get married and they run away. <laughs> and her older, wiser sister says, oh, hold your horses. You know, the fact that the older person wasn't instantly wrong. Yeah, it always turns out in, in these films. It's like, oh, the old people who just don't believe in the power of love are just wrong and they <laughs> get proven wrong. And, you know, the town starts dancing again. And, you know, it's... It's nice and it's good to be optimistic sometimes, but you've also got to be realistic sometimes. Mm. If anything, this film has taught a generation of kids, you know, shop around a bit. Don't believe the first asshole you come across. Um, <laughs> toxic, exactly. Toxic motherfuckers, be out there. Exactly. This is this is the fairy tale for the Tinder generation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, of course, the the true true hero of the of the story was uh, Duke of Wettleton, played by the amazing Alan Tudyk. Oh my goodness! Yes, who is the best character in every film he's in? <laughs> he's consistently a delight. So he's in Frozen as the Duke of Wettleton, and they pronounce it Weaselton. He gets annoyed, mm. and then he also plays um, a character called Duke Weaselton, and they pronounce it Wettleton, and he gets annoyed. In what film was that now? In Zootopia. Ah, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> but yes, Alan Tudyk plays the best. He never plays a main character. Very rarely plays a main character, but he always plays the best character. Mm. And it's amazing. So he's um, K2SO in Rogue One. Yes, he is. Uh, oh, he is the, the German in some of the Transformer films. Keep forgetting the name of that. You know, like the ex-military. He's actually really nice to everyone now. Ah, uh, yes. Of course, he's in Firefly. Oh, oh, heartbreaking. 
Float like a leaf. He's in Wrecked Ralph. Dutch. He was Dutch in Transformers Dark of the Moon. Uh. Of course, his best. Oh, he was King Candy in Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, yes. And he was absolute best character in Dodgeball. Oh, my God. Steve the Pirate. Steve the Pirate. Dodgeball, of course, having a brilliant twist right at the end. It was quite a twist. Because he actually bet all the money on the other team and they won lots of pennies. (laughs) Which I'm surprised was allowed. But anyway. I mean, it's professional baseball. Dodgeball. Nah. <laughs> yes. Professional dodgeball. But yes. Um, oh, Alan Tudyk. Just literally everything he's in. I just think, oh, he's brilliant. Amazing. He is consistently the best in everything. So good. Wheeling back around again uh, to Frozen for another moment. I think oh, the, yeah, it's Frozen. The <laughs> we'll get this. We'll get back on track. Don't worry, boys and girls. Um... Disney. Oh no! I just realised I, I I mentioned Star Wars. We managed. We're fine. We got through it. We played it cool. He is apparently going into to be in a new Star Wars season series that I just saw on IMDb. I ah, just as a K two S O again. Uh nice. Have you seen Rogue One? Yes. Yes. Good. Good. Frozen. Yes. Most uh, most Disney villains are pretty obvious. Like. They don't hide often, you know. You've got people like Scar. Um, you've got people like Ursula. You've got all these classic villains that are bombastic and outrageous and hold their cards close to their chest. No, they don't. The other, they wear them on their sleeve. No no cards on the chest, they're all on their sleeve. Um, and they relish in the evil. And that's why Hans was, again, quite so impactful because um, it was shocking. You were like, oh my God, I didn't see this coming. And Anna was like, no. Exactly. <clears throat> One of the recurring themes of the film, though, was to look deeper than, you know, you can't judge every book by its cover. Yes. And then she went mm-hmm. out with Jonathan Groff instead. A fine man. Uh, or Christoph, as he's, as he's called in the film. Hmm. I mean, he's no Alan Tudyk, but... <laughs> a fine man an honest man because <laughs> um, yeah most of the films on our combined list are pretty intense gritty thriller style so I thought it would be quite nice to throw Frozen on there and get a little Disney mix up yes I think so I mean you in our discussion of this we discussed Zootopia which in itself has a twist yeah <laughs> No, that that was quite a good one. Everything's got a twist. That was a good twist. All about corruption and um, politicians being naughty. And, like, racism? <laughs> was it an allegory for that? That film does touch on some very, very serious topics. Like police apathy and all sorts of stuff. Corruption. Yeah. Um, poverty, like holy, holy moly! They they should just like do another cut of that film, where it's like they just change the audio, and every time they say "bunny," just change it to "woman." Mm. Yeah. A woman cop. <laughs> A weak. And every bunny. time they say "fox," say "black." Yeah, I mean they. It wasn't very subtle. I mean, it wasn't subtle at all. <laughs> but it's amazing how many people do miss it. 
entirely. Yeah. Most of the people that, you know, are the people that really should be taking in the lessons. <laughs> yes, that is the problem when things are done as metaphor and it's not totally obvious. The sort of people that need spoon-fed, get them on the list. Get them on the list. New enemies, episode four. <laughs> the list has been dormant since episode one. I need to start adding to our enemies. We have been taking it easy on the world at large, waiting for enemies to come to us. But now, officially, racists, you're our enemy. Going on the list. <laughs> Especially people who watched Zootopia and didn't like it. Get on the list. Um, I only saw it recently, actually, having gotten Disney Plus. This episode is not sponsored by Disney Plus, even though I've mentioned Frozen as well. Uh, but yeah, like it was one of these films that came out, and I just never got round to seeing it. And then I never got round to catching up on it. And I finally watched it and I was blown away. Um, not only by the ridiculously rich story and characterization, but it's gorgeous. Oh my God, the animation. It's unbelievable. Mm. I love the amount of detail they go into. It's like, like when the train pulls up and there's all the different size doors because you know there's all the different size animals and they're all being catered to. And there's all like the pneumatic tubes to get the hamsters around the city. Oh my god, the little hamsters. I love those friggin' hamsters. Oh my god. Why are the hamsters all businessmen? <laughs> they all... Are they lemmings. <laughs> they all work in the same office, and they all love popsicles. <laughs> because on, on the flip side, when I said that I'd watched it, it came to my attention that you guys watch it all the time. It's like a constant in the McLeod household. It is. It is. It's our hangover film. I can see why. It is, it is very good. Very good. Very good. Mm. Oh, films in a similar vein. Have you seen Sing? Ooh, I, did, I, I saw that in the cinema. Sing. I made an effort for that one. <laughs> Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> well, that's fine. I was just going to recommend it because I thought it would be right up your alley. Oh, my God. I loved it. <laughs> um Matthew McConaughey as a swanky koala. Yes, please. <laughs> oh, he was good. He was good. The whole cast. Holy moly. What wasn't much of a twist in that film, though, so we'll drop it there. No, that was, that was pretty straightforward, that one. It was just about, you know, art not getting the respect it deserves. Ooh. I'm sorry, but engineering was the uh, was the star of that film. Yeah, that's true. That pig and her contraptions, phenomenal. <laughs> she did have a gadget or two for those million piglets. So we're rattling through this list at a, quite a pace. We're doing quite well. I've realised that the coverage of um, you, like having twists as a topic is basically going, this is a film and this is the twist. Next film. <laughs> like there's only so much we can dilly-dally, which is why it's quite good that we've got so many films on this list. Yes, no, that's that a good point. Um, the twist being that we don't have that much to talk about. <laughs> it's not quantity, it's quality. Well, speaking of quality, let's talk about a really good film. Oh. And you have no idea which one I'm going to say, because they're all quite good films. <laughs> they're all pretty damn good. Let's go with... Lucky number Slevin. Oh no, I've never seen it. You've never seen it? No, somehow. What is wrong with you? I don't, I don't know. Have I not? Well, I can't, I can't talk about it now because it's such a good film and you need to see it. Uh, no, I haven't. I'm pretty sure I haven't. How have I not seen it? It is amazing. 
I mean, yeah, I keep hearing about it. I will need to find it online somewhere. Oh, it's on Amazon Prime. This show is not sponsored by Amazon Prime. <laughs> Again, it's just one of these ones that I missed. I think I was probably, when was it, 2006? Mm, yeah, I wasn't 18 in 2006, so I wouldn't have seen it at a cinema. I just never, I've never got around to seeing it, much to my dismay. I think we rented it from Blockbuster. Oh. The show is sadly not sponsored by Blockbuster. <laughs> they just don't have the cash to be throwing around anymore. <laughs> I saw a lovely YouTube video where a couple of guys went to the last Blockbuster in America. Ooh. And it was amazing. It's out, it's out in like Ohio or somewhere like that. Yeah, they just sort of run it and people still come in. It's like proper countryside. It's amazing. And people have cards. There's like a whole loyal team. I don't know. Would it have taken that much to modernise Blockbuster? Probably not. I mean, if they... Because obviously Netflix, they were all about physical discs at one point as well. Yeah. If Blockbuster pushed for... If they had a streaming platform you subscribed to, but you could also use your subscription to pop into a brick and mortar shop and grab a game for X many days as part of your subscription or the, do the love film method of you've got one but you don't get another one until you bring this one back. I did like that about Love Film. I think Blockbuster could have combined the best bits of Netflix and Love Film into the ultimate cinema slash game package but they just decided to not change a single thing about their business model until they'd driven into the dirt. <laughs> they were committed to that business plan. It's been laminated we're sticking to it. Ugh. I mean, I'm I'm never one to to agree with change for the sake of change, but I also hate keeping things the same for the sake of keeping them the same. Yes, they are both silly behaviours. I miss Blockbuster. <laughs> I like roaming the aisles and doing it old school, actually holding stuff and reading it. See. When I used to rent games from Blockbuster, I used to finish a lot more games. <laughs> I'd just sit there, finish it, put it back, get the next one. <laughs> I have to find out how it ended before it was gone forever. Now there's too much choice. You can download a thousand games to your hard drive and play none of them. None of them ever. Just go back to watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine for the umpteenth time. Yeah, streaming culture is wonderful for so many reasons, but it's also... Horrendous for just as many reasons. Let's not bash streaming culture when we're currently streaming a podcast to folk. The illusion of choice. Quiet, you. <laughs> uh, I've still got many DVDs. I've oh, got too many. DVDs and Blu-rays. I think I finally got rid of all my VHS. My mother had a lot to do with that. It's quite upsetting. I think time had a lot to do with that. Some of them still worked when we had them. <laughs> Some of them. The ones that hadn't disintegrated. I was still buying them from Oxfam. Ten for a quid. I would come home with a new bag of videotapes and my mother would despair. We'd all despair. But it was wonderful. I still remember, like, finally getting you to transfer to DVD. <laughs> I just couldn't believe the, the difference in quality. We all huddled around a little DVD player. It was quite a year, 2018. <laughs> Outrageous. <laughs> we were one of the last families in the world to get a DVD player, though. This is true. My parents just would not upgrade. No, no. And I've got it. I've got it here in my flat now because they got rid of it. And it's beautiful. You're it's, kidding me. It's massive. I, I think it's Toshiba. It's a massive... You have a PS3. 
yeah, but I wanted the DVD player because it lights up blue. And it reminds me of watching Fight Club for the first time. Oh, that's, that's a nice wee segue there. Oi, 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 oi. But we don't talk about it. Well, we're going to have to. We're going to have to. We have to break the first two rules. That is one of the greatest twists of all time. That was a very good twist. I remember enjoying that immensely the first time I watched it. And it's a perfect example of, like you were saying earlier, it's an incredible movie because of the twist and despite the twist. Because you watch it the first time and your very mind is blown. And then you watch it again and again and again and it's still phenomenal. If, it, if anything, it's better knowing the twist. It's, uh, it is one of these films that it'll always be regarded as a classic. Yes. It is just so well made and well acted and well written. There's no way something as mundane as knowing what's going to happen could ruin it for anyone. No. Um, it's probably as iconic as Empire Strikes Back or... No, don't mention it. Don't mention it. Or Sixth Sense or any of these Don't movies. mention the Star Wars. The Star Wars. Don't mention the war. <laughs> oh, you can't, you can't say that anymore. You'll get taken off of UK TV gold. Outrageous. Topical. These are the these this is the satire, kids. Current events. Current events. We're coming for Charlie Brooker's gig. That's what we're doing. Onto the new series of Black Mirror. <laughs> I mean <laughs> he he came out and said that they're not doing Black Mirror until the world calms down a bit and gives them a chance. <laughs> until the world until it stops being too real. Yeah. Like half jokingly, but yeah. I mean that's fair enough. It's it's like the world is it's too real, man. But we we were joking about my DVD player and the fact I've got a PS3. But since I've installed it, I have watched DVDs that I hadn't got round to watching because of the novelty of it being on a DVD player with a big chunky remote. And I've actually watched a lot of DVDs I hadn't even opened since buying them. So that's quite good. It's an old phenomenon that seems to have moved on a wee bit there. It's the, the novelty of having to put a DVD on makes you pay more attention to it. It's kind of like when a film would come on TV that you own on DVD, but because it's on TV, you're going to sit there and watch it. Oh my god. And even put up with the adverts. Hot fuzz on ITV3. If it's on, you're watching it. I've got the DVD <laughs> right here, but... <laughs> or I could stream it to a dozen devices around my house. Yep. But no, no. It's on the telly. I'm going to watch it. I've got a DVD, and I've got it as part of a triple Blu-ray thing of the Cornetto trilogy. Oh. I have so many options. DVD box sets. Hot fuzz! There's a bloody twist. Twists upon twists. It's only a twist if you didn't instantly distrust the weirdos that live in little English villages. Morning angle. But yes, no, that was, that was a very good, very good film. Leslie Teller was fucking murdered. Thank you, Danny. <laughs> uh. I guess we are a swearing podcast. It's happened. Um, you could probably beep them out for posterity. I think we maybe should. Yes, technical note. I think we've got swears in all the other episodes. Oh no, I've tried not to. I just mark it as explicit. Okay, fair enough. When we get our Radio 1 deal, we'll turn it down. Hmm. <laughs> when we get that BBC money. We need to get in on that fast before everyone stops paying their TV license. Yeah, the revolution's coming. We need to get a Netflix show. That's the new meal ticket. Um, apparently anyone can get one. They've just got so much money, they give it to everyone. Just throwing money at people. I shall have to get on the phone, get on the old blower. All right, Netflix, gonna give us a show, sunshine? And you've instantly failed because they don't use anything so analogue 
as a phone. <laughs> I'd have to slide into their DMs. Oh my. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh dear. Well, before we uh, completely abandon the podcast format for our, our new Netflix streaming show, which, you know what, fuck it. We deserve it. We've done four episodes with you, ungrateful swine. I know. We've put the graft in. (laughs) One film I really want to talk about, which I think is one of the the last remaining ones on the list, probably the last one we'll do, is Get Out. Ooh, yes. Now, you have seen this one, haven't you? I have. What a weird-ass twist. Like... Holy moly. Um, Like, you thought it was kind of an unsettling film, and you thought it was kind of eerie and weird, and then, oh my god, it all just descends into hellish. It goes south so fast. (laughs) And my absolute favourite part of the film, right, is the fact that his pal swooped in and just, like, sensible person in a horror film just by the sheer fact that he wasn't a moron, managed to save the day. <laughs> you don't mess with the TSA, bitch! <laughs> Boom! <laughs> it, it was just, that was just amazing. I was in absolute stitches watching that. It was so good. It was so good. Jordan Peele flipped the entire horror trope on its ass. It succeeded in being such a good, terrifying film. Mm-mm. And didn't rely on people being idiots. No. That's why, again, I have a gripe with horror as a genre. Because mm. there's so many like bad endings. That was the first gripe. And a big part of the plot relies on people being thick. Yeah, stupid teenagers in a cabin. And it's like, oh, I'm going to go and explore this haunted house by myself. No. <laughs> Come back at daytime. They do always make the worst decisions. But now Peel storms in. Just absolutely just rescues his pal and gets out. He sees the title. It says get out. They get out. Yeah, does what it says on a tin, mate. Doesn't muck about, doesn't hang about. They're gone. <laughs> oh, it was so good. And it was just brilliantly put together as well. It kind of lulled you into this comfortable little world. And then it all kicked off. Boom goes the dynamite. With the really, like, pandering liberal white people trying to be woke and just being awful. Oh, it's just terrifying. <laughs> like the brother, the horrible brother. Yeah. And you're like, oh man, just sharp, sharp. Oh, feeling so awkward. And then you realise yeah. it's again, it's one of these ones where having known the twist and watching it back, you go, oh my God. And there's all the signs like where it, where they're obsessed with like Oh, so you work out? What fitness do you do? Do you play any sports? And all this stuff. And yeah. They're, and they're, like, asking him all these questions, and you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then, oh, my God. No, that is definitely a film I'd recommend to anyone that's not seen it. Um, I don't think... We've not really ruined the twist. No, I like that we have kept this one... Yeah, we haven't, actually. Because it's newer, I think. I was kind of... I put it on my list, but I was kind of sceptical about actually saying... We have ruined the ending, Oh. But knowing that has how it ends would not detract from enjoyment of the film. No, my God. The twit, like, I was I was shocked. I was shook. He was absolutely shooketh. Shooketh to my very core. So good. 
Jordan Peele is a friggin' genius. And it's he, because he, as part of Key and Peele, they were like the funniest little two piece doing all these crazy little sketches. And everyone thought, oh, Jordan Peele, funny guy. And then he came out with like the greatest suspenseful horror film that I've seen in years. And you're like, oh my God, he's got layers. Absolutely brilliant. But that's kind of why it was so enjoyable as well, because it was almost like a dark comedy with these really like harsh, underlying, unsettling moments. And he played the laughs, and he got us kind of lulled into it. And then he just hit us around the head with a baseball bat of shookiftness. <laughs> Eloquently put. Very, very good. Well, and that about wraps it up for our episode on twists in memory of my co-host, Hedy McKenzie. That's right. He's been dead the whole time. I've been Andrew on the Badger Shelf. And I'm Eddie.